Among the notable arts winners from this week's budget announcement is the New Zealand Symphony Orchestra. It's getting an extra $3.2 million to tide it over the next two years. The orchestra, meanwhile, is in the midst of changing the funding model it's had for decades, ahead of celebrations for its 75th anniversary in 2022. The Royal New Zealand Ballet Company also received more money in the budget. That was around $1.15 million. Both sums are on top of the government's lifeline post-COVID-19 lockdown funding for their national arts institutions. Well, I asked the NZSO's chief executive, Peter Biggs, if the budget allocation is what they'd asked the government for. We asked for more because our activity ambition is very high and also we're very conscious that the government has encouraged us to work in a different way to reach every community in Aotearoa, New Zealand. So we wanted to innovate more, we wanted to uh, tour more um, and we wanted to collaborate more. But we're very grateful and very happy with the money we received in the budget. But does this mean that you won't be able to innovate more and to tour more? We're going to have to work harder and more intensely to work out how we're going to achieve the objectives that we've set ourselves, particularly in our 75th anniversary year, which is 2022. So we we have an ambition to fill the country with the greatest music ever made. We've got to work out now, having got slightly less money than we asked for, how we're going to do that. But we're we're firmly committed to doing that. And again, we're very grateful for the support of uh, the government to be able to do that. So is this about, Peter, getting the orchestra out to cover more of the country? Is it as simple as that? Ideally, well, we, we have a mandate that is set in legislation that we are a touring orchestra and we are to take uh, world-class or international standard uh, orchestral music to all New Zealanders and their communities. That's what we live by. That's what drives everyone, particularly the musicians. So we would like in our 75th year to do that. Now, touring can happen in different ways. For example, now, thanks to COVID, uh, and this was one opportunity that, that came to light during COVID, is we're digitally streaming all of our performances. Um, so we, we can reach more New Zealanders in partnership, obviously, with, with RNZ. We can reach more New Zealand communities live by streaming and give them a, a more intense audience experience. Yeah, but it's not the same, is it? It, it is not the same. Yeah. And we, we are looking at it as not a substitute, but an audience development tool. It's also added, certainly last year, a half-million-dollar cost to our bottom line because everything that we're doing now is much more complex. It was easier before. We turned up, we gave a concert, we flew out. We're now conscious of carbon emissions. We're now conscious of of how we engage more deeply in the communities we visit. So if you go to a community you want to stay, I know often your musicians will say go to schools, for example, or give classes. Is that kind of embedded now and an expectation. Yes, it is. So, yeah. so last year we, we trialled and it went very, very well a pilot called Setting Up Camp, which is our access platform, where, where we spend a considerable amount of time in a particular region. We're also trialling this year our new festival format. We're in Hamilton at the moment and we're in Hamilton for three days. We've had um, two festivals so far, Auckland, Wellington, Tauranga and Napier. So we're about to start this other one, Hamilton and Christchurch. So we go into those communities, we do community activities, we do music education, we do varied concert formats, and it's working really, really well. But there's a cost to it. And if you look at our costs, between 2018 and 2020, our costs went up by over $2 million because the cost of touring has gone up, 
venue costs have gone up, international artist costs have gone up. So, well, the uh, international artists has been quite interesting, though, Peter, hasn't it, given that very few of them, I imagine, have been able to get into the that, country? That's right, and that enabled us last year, again, there's good and bad to COVID. We had a $1.3 million surplus, which we were able to use this year. But it's not the amount of money that we need as Aotearoa New Zealand's full-time professional orchestra to tour properly and deliver our mandate. And we've got a government that's been listening to that. So uh, we're, we're enormously thankful that they've given us some money to tide us over for a couple of years while we lock in a new sustainable funding model. So this money is for two years? This 3.2 is for two years? Yes, yes. Okay. so 1.6 for each year. And then, ideally, we'll have the sustainable funding model kicking into place because, um, as, as you know, working in the arts sector, it's enormously draining and, and enormously uncertain if every year you're scrabbling for money. Although, I mean, the, the perception is from outside, Peter, that the New Zealand Symphony Orchestra and the Royal New Zealand Ballet Company seem to do well. You know, when the budgets come out, they are almost guaranteed some kind of funding where there's an awful lot of regional orchestras and, and individual artists out there doing it, doing it really tough. They're big entities, um, number one. I mean, um, we've got 140 people um, in the NZSO, and we've got to move them around the country. So getting the band on the road and paying for that is an enormous exercise and costs money. What's great is, is that the New Zealand communities we visit are enormously appreciative when the NZSO is in town. Uh, and the ballet is a big machine too. And, and I, I know I've been to many ballet performances and I know the audience response to the Royal New Zealand Ballet. And I think they've done a, an amazing job um, getting around the country and, and delivering a wonderful product to New Zealand communities. But don't forget also that your, your big cultural engines are your arts employment drivers. So we're about to begin a piece of work looking at what public value the symphony orchestra delivers to the country, not, not just artistically, but in terms of social cohesion, social well-being, but also economic development. Economics are far easier, though, aren't they, to, to gauge, you know, to put a figure on, than social cohesion or development. Yeah, or, we, we, or we think we found factor. a way to do it. You can measure it now. How? We've gone out to some consulting firms. They say they can measure it. I believe them. And I want some evidence-based data that will enable us as we go on into the future to prove beyond doubt that the orchestra is a taonga, a national treasure that we must always have. And I don't blame governments for actually looking at large ticket items in the arts budget to say, could we do it another way? Do these organisations need to exist in their current form? And it's our job to advocate and provide the evidence that we should. And now at the moment, um, and for the foreseeable future, we, we have our own act. So the NZSO Act sets in place a full symphonic international class symphony orchestra playing for the whole of the country. But we're also very, very conscious it's 2021. What will the country look like in 2031, 41, 51? And what will the world look like? So we just spent a chunk of yesterday working with Jetstream and Cisco, who are, who are new sponsors of ours, lo looking at a very sophisticated streaming product, which isn't just about streaming concerts. It's actually about streaming entertainment packages. Um, complete with ticketing, complete with audience chat, complete with audi uh, other forms of audience engagement. So the world is changing on us, and um, we, we think it's our obligation 
uh, in the interests of all New Zealanders to work out what our future is and what that might look like. Would you tell us how much more money you'd asked for over the $3.2 million? We got slightly under what we asked for, and that's why we're very grateful. This new funding model, gosh, it's hard to make this sound exciting, isn't it? But funding models are really important. So what is it about the current funding model? Because, again, unlike many arts organisations, you have your act, you will get money every year. You know, there is that kind of guarantee. It's seen as a must-have, not a nice-to-have. So you're in a different position to probably most arts organisations. But what needs to change? Our previous model was we performed X number of concerts, and usually in the evening would fly in, fly out, pretty simple business model. We're now looking at still doing that. We're now looking also in response to to community feedback and, and also our community need. We're looking at a, the access platform, which is three or four days. Now, we're doing two of those this year. We did one last year. We're also doing the festival model. Um, we're also looking at much more complex collaborations. We're about to do, um, in Hamilton and Christchurch, a collaboration with Alien Weaponry the heavy metal Toreo band. It's got, a, it's got a complex bicultural element. It's got a complex musicianship element or musicking element. Add to that streaming, add to that the Shed concerts, which are bringing in a Conquest audience. Um, add to that many other collaborations that we're doing with Te Papa. We're, we're about to trial a major collaboration with an iwi. We have no idea what that might look like at the moment, but it's going to be resource-intensive, time-intensive and money-intensive to deliver for that community. Um, and then we hope to take that uh, through other iwi through the country. So, so the old model was reasonably simple. The new model is much more complex, we think much richer in terms of what we can deliver and, and also much more holistic and gives better outcomes for New Zealanders and their communities. Peter, now that the world is slowly starting to open up after this crazy 14 months or so, do you have any concerns that you will start to lose your musicians as the concert halls around the world start to open? Has, it, has there been an advantage in, in musicians wanting or needing to stay here? Look, we, we, we've got the most wonderful band and I can't speak more highly of our musicians, particularly during the COVID year and what they did. They filled in for international solos, soloists. I mean, we have world-class musicians here within the NZSO and also wonderful performers, for example, like Deirdre Irons, who's been a great collaborator and partner with the NZSO, Hamish McKeach, another one in terms of conducting. So what we discovered, well, what we rediscovered actually was that audiences came to watch world-class talent and they were our own talent. So that was fantastic. Always there's fragility around the employment market internationally for musicians of international standard. Is the NZSO competitive in terms of the money and the conditions that it offers its musicians? We think we are, but again, part of the mandate that the government has given us is make sure that's the case. So, so again, part of this money will ensure that we can confirm absolutely that we'll be able to pay our musicians well. We're also looking at places, regardless of international rates of pay, Wellington is becoming an expensive place to live too. Already become. Yeah, already become. Say, yeah. Uh, yeah, thank you. So, so we, we've got to bear all of that in mind and be, and be good employers, but also very mindful of the fragility of the world's top talent. 
and how mobile it is. And we have top talent here, and it it can be mobile. But right now, the morale in the orchestra is very strong. There's a great confidence about the future. And uh, I was receiving messages and, and emails from our musicians and our support staff last night, absolutely thrilled and buoyed up by getting money in the budget. And it's more than the money. It's it's that the government supports us, believes in us, values what we do, and and gives us their confidence. So so uh, it's not just the money. It's actually having that support is really helpful. Do you think there'll be any um, shaking of heads amongst, say, the regional orchestras? I mean, they do it pretty tough, don't they? They're out there, they're hard-working orchestras, they're linked with the community. And they, I don't know, would they see the NZSO touring more as competing in their patches? Well, I think we've got to get away from that. Uh, and we collaborate a lot with the metropolitan and um, city and regional orchestras. And, in fact, the NZSO chairs the APOA which is the Association of Professional Orchestras Aotearoa New Zealand. And um, we all get on pretty well. Obviously, sometimes we collide, but that's okay. Um, Theatres do that too. Other practitioners do it too. But I think, really, everybody strives to be collegial. There are gaps in our player ranks from time to time, and we swap players. Some people say that's not a good thing. I say it's a really good thing because audiences get more music and they get more top-class music and um, the pool of, of player talent in the country grows. So I would like to think that our colleagues in the other orchestras are happy for us as we are happy for them because I think they've, over time, got additional funding from Creative New Zealand and we think that's excellent. Chief Executive of the NZSO, Peter Big.